Pastor Xavier Reese and the sovereign call of God on humble man. Listen to Paul, 1 Corinthians 1, 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. He's not concerned with your family heritage. He's not concerned with your economic status, with your social level. The Lord God is sovereign, but He is not looking for men or women with ability as much as He's looking for men and women with availability. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pastor Xavier, today we'll be kicking off a new series on the book of Jeremiah, and we expect it to be a lengthy series, but how would you sum it up? Wow, the book of Jeremiah, the summation of the book of Jeremiah is this, it's a culmination of God's warnings to the nation Israel. Judgment is around the corner. The prophets have warned, the last one, Isaiah, and now Jeremiah is a prophet called to the nation. God says, I will make an iron pillar or brazen wall. He warns them not to be confounded before their faces because people are not going to like him. They're not going to be for him. And that he should be faithful to God. And that God would protect him, care for him. Not that he wouldn't suffer. He does suffer. But Jeremiah stands as one man alone in the midst of a decaying, corrupt, and godless nation. What an incredible parallel to our nation today. As we see the decay, the warning after warning from the Bible, and more so because we are Americans and we have a history from our forefathers, from the Christian Judeo background, and what warnings God had gives to us in the scripture, and I think the judgment is around the corner for America also. The parallel is there. You can't escape it. You may not want to believe it. You may not want to accept it, but yet God is bringing judgment. The stage is being set for the Antichrist. Jeremiah, faithful man. Today, God is calling faithful men to stand. The church of Laodicea and the church of Philadelphia grow side by side until God removes the church of Philadelphia. Right now, we're seeing the church of Laodicea grow. The emergent church, the seeker-friendly church, the ecumenical movement. But the faithful stand. It's like the book of Judges. Every man was doing that was right in his own eyes. In the midst of all that, you have the book of Ruth, a group of godly people trusting and depending on the Lord. This is the book of Jeremiah, faithful to the end. Well, certainly a very timely message, and one I'm looking forward to hearing, as well as our listeners, I'm sure. Yeah, as the weeks progress, uh, we want to hear from our listeners. Why don't you give them our email where they can reach us? I sure can. We've got an address set up especially for your comments and concerns regarding the program. And it's simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. And I'll have that again with our mailing address at the close of the program. But right now, it's time to get started with today's teaching of the prophet Jeremiah. When Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, he asked them, Who do men say that I am? One of the people that the people of Israel thought Jesus was, was Jeremiah. As Jesus came to Jerusalem... Luke records for us what took place. Listen. Luke 19, 41 through 44. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, 
For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet due to his love for his people. Just like Jesus Christ wept over Jerusalem, over the blindness and the hardness of heart of his own people. They're tied together in scripture. So what I want to do is look at them from three perspectives this morning. The man Jeremiah first, then secondly, the prophet Jeremiah, and then thirdly, the ministry of Jeremiah. And this is going to give us a broad base of the book so that we can understand as we move on in individual messages. The name Jeremiah means whom God has appointed. The idea of being of elevation by God's appointment. And whenever God appoints someone, it is a high calling. There is no higher calling than to speak for God. Greater than being president of the United States. Better than being a doctor, or not better, but just higher than being a doctor. Because in a doctor, you're dealing with physical matters. People die the physical. We're dealing with eternal issues. We're talking about things that were going to affect people's eternity. And here, Jeremiah is one who has been lifted high, if you will, by God himself. Jeremiah's name appears 118 times in his own book. There's only 157 appearances of the name of Jeremiah in the whole Bible. We know more about Jeremiah than any other prophet because he is so personal in his record of the events that took place in his time. He was probably 17 to 20 years of age, and the opening verses there speaks about him being a youth. God says to Jeremiah in verse 6 there that he calls him, and Jeremiah says, Oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, but I'm a youth. The word for youth there speaks of boy or lad. So 17 to 20, somewhere in there. We can consider why he said, I'm but a youth. Can you imagine being 17 and being sent to declare the death of the United States at the hands of another world power? What kind of tension would you get? What kind of reception would you get? Jeremiah is considered by many as the greatest spiritual personality in Israel. Jeremiah's life was a mark, uh, marked by difficulty and sadness over the sinfulness of his people and their destruction to come. The man felt his message, as we're going to see. But notice also, secondly, here in, in chapter 1, verse 1, that the family of Jeremiah was of the priestly order. His father, uh, Helkiah, in verse 1, his name. Now, he's not of the, of the high priest order, but the normal priestly order. And notice that he was of the tribe of Benjamin. So this is what we know of his background. Now, notice thirdly, the historical time of Jeremiah's day is given to us in verse 2 and 3. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in the days of Josiah in the 13th year of his reign. Josiah was a very good king. Uh, he had set reforms to return to God at the finding of the law, the Pentateuch. And, and he saw that they had turned their back on God and he, and he just set a revival, but the people's hearts were very superficial. The word of God came to Jeremiah, notice, through the reign of four other kings of Judah. From the 13th year of Josiah, around 626-27 B.C., to the 11th year of Zedekiah, and the carrying away the captivity to the 5th month, which would be about 586 B.C. 
Two of the kings are not mentioned, probably because of their short reign, three months. Those are Jehoiahaz and also Jehoiachin. But Jeremiah spoke as God's spokesman for a total of 40 years, according to this record here. Now, as you know, he was forced to go to Egypt. At the end, when Babylon was taken, they assassinated Gedaliah, and the people asked him to inquire of God, and he says, Lord says, just submit to Babylon. They said, oh, you're crazy, you're lying. They took him to Egypt. And most likely, tradition says that he was stoned to death in Egypt. Can't be certain, but that's the consensus. Now, Judah was looking to Egypt for her security against Babylon at this time, rather than God. Much like when we studied Isaiah, Isaiah was looking towards Egypt to defend her against Syria. And God says, Egypt's going to be like a, like a broken reed. Going to stab you in the hand. Don't lean on it. Lean on God. Now Jeremiah is still leaning on Egypt against Babylon now. And God says, it's not going to work. During the late 60s, the hippie movement was taking the country by a storm. And the enemy through drugs and free love and everything else just tore this country apart, among many other things. And God in His grace turned that around and called a man to take a chance on the waywardness of the nation. And he responded. His name was Chuck Smith. It turned into the Jesus movement. And God called a man to herald to proclaim, and the people listened and turned it into one of the greatest revivals in the history of the church. Sadly, in the days of Jeremiah, that would not happen because the nation had gone too far. Now, I see a hardness in our nation today. I see a hardness in the church today about the things of God. I don't know if we've gone over. But it certainly is something to consider. The only way men are effective is if God calls and anoints them. No man can appoint himself to the work of God. The Lord appointed the twelve. The Lord appointed seventy. And the Lord appointed Paul and many, many others. The Lord God is sovereign, but he is not looking for men or women with ability as much as he's looking for men and women with availability. Listen to Paul, 1 Corinthians 1, 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. See, too often we're focusing on what we have to give. And though that is true to an extent, but we don't trust in that. He's not concerned with your family heritage. He's not concerned with your economic status. He's not concerned with your social level as a person. What he's concerned is, are you going to depend on Him? Are you following Him? The Lord Jesus is always looking to use the events of our time, even as He did in Jeremiah's time and the world around us, to show Himself strong, even as Paul says, when I'm weak, I'm strong, in 2 Corinthians twelve nine. Every situation of life, we know that real well at the beginning and we forget so quickly. And we start turning to the arm of flesh that Jeremiah tells us they were leaning on. The times with, when your marriage is not working, do you go to man or do you go to God first? Do you spend two hours in prayer as a couple? Do you weep before God or do you right away get on the phone and call for counseling? In times of financial troubles, 
Do you just lean to the arm of flesh or do you trust God and seek God? In times of weaknesses, who do you trust? In yourself? In times of national and world crises, such as has been happening to us, are, are we in despair or, or do we look to God with great hope? It's a challenge to each of us. This was the man Jeremiah. Secondly, you have the prophet Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah, first of all, the office of a prophet in the Old Testament is often misunderstood. Jeremiah is one of the major prophets, Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel being some of the others. The word prophet is significant because in the Hebrew, it's one who speaks on behalf of God. In the Greek, it's much the same thing, one who is the spokesman of God. And the common idea is that of a prophet who exercises that office or that position primarily to speak for God, not so much to speak predictively of future events. And that's how a lot of people look at prophets as speaking things revealed in the future. But if you look and examine, the majority of the, of the utterances of the prophets were those of calling God's people back, of warning them of reproving them. And then once in a while there was predictive future events. So the primary function of prophecy was to speak in place of God for God to the people. Secondly, there would be predictive events at one time or another. The believer has to understand that while all proclamation is prophecy, not all prophecy is predictive. Now the Lord called Jeremiah to be the prophet. Here in chapter 1, it's very evident in verse 5, he says, I ordained you. In verse 7, he says, I send you. In verse 9, he says, I have put my words in your mouth. Uh, and then in verse 10, he says, see, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. Jeremiah was not just called to Israel. And I'm using the word Israel as a whole nation, but he was in Judah. Because remember, the, the kingdom was divided. Northern kingdom Israel, southern kingdom Judah. Okay? But it's Jerusalem that he's prophesying. But he's not only called to them, but he's called to the whole nations. And he's going to deal with the nations. The prophet to the whole world as we, he knew it in those days. Now, the prophets were sent by God often when the priest, the Levitical order, and the judges and kings had become corrupt. That was when God called Prophets And most of the prophets were not related to any of those places. Now, Jeremiah seems to be related to the high priest, but it's kind of an exception. Usually he calls like, have you ever read Amos? He was a fruit picker and a sheep herder. And they kicked him out of the noise. They said, what are you doing? I didn't call myself. I'm a fruit picker. I'm a sheep herder. God sent me. He was called a seer in the past. Second Chronicles 33:18, The seer implying seeing future things or seeing the things of God. There were the schools of the prophets, as you study the book of Samuel, in 1 Samuel 19.20 and 2 Kings 23.5. Not that they trained them how to be prophets, but these were men who they knew God had anointed and called, and they gathered together in the movement to serve the people, not themselves. The prophet of God was known by the accuracy of his predictions when there was predictions, by the way. And he had to be 100% accurate. Otherwise, they would stone him. And I'm talking about with stones to kill him, not to get him loaded. You find that in Deuteronomy 13, 5 through 11, and 18, 18, and 19. Now, the understanding of inspiration has equally been misunderstood 
The most simple way to define inspiration is this. A direct and special inspiration from God. In other words, He is the source. The instrument through which God speaks is a person. Therefore, inspiration is the pouring forth of words from God through a man without consuming, altering, or absorbing the personality or natural abilities of the man, but in fact using them, yet what is spoken or written will be the authoritative word of God that he has revealed. You read Paul, you can tell him from Mark. You read Peter, you can tell him from John. So he does not absorb or destroy the personality, but in each person he guarantees the absolute inerrancy and infallibility of what is recorded. God reveals revelation and inspiration guarantees the accuracy of the record of what has been revealed. So inspiration really has to do with the recording of the revelation, accurate, infallible, inerrant. In fact, Peter, as you know, in Second Peter 1.20, he says this, Knowing this first, that the, no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. Now, the Scripture has been misapplied often and still is. We often use that Scripture when someone says, Well, I think this is what it means. And we say, Oh, well, that, the Scripture are not for any private interpretation. But that's not what it's talking about. We want to go to that, we can go to Corinthians and different passages. The Scripture has been misapplied and still is. What Peter is teaching is that the verse there is trustworthy of the scriptures being from God. They are from him in origin. That's what he's saying. No prophecy of the scripture is of any personal impulse or origin. It is God. For the word there for interpretation in the Greek means loosening, unloosening, or untying. So what is springing forth is from God, not from man. So the prophecy is not of any human origin. In fact, Peter explains that in the very next verse, verse 21, when Peter says, For the prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, as they were carried along. In fact, that word is used in Acts 27, 15, and 17 as the boat that Paul is in is carried along by the wind. So these men under inspiration are carried along by the Spirit of God to ensure that what you possess in your lap in the Bible is the inerrant and infallible Word of God. Plenary verbal inspiration. Never destroying the personality of the individual. Never obscuring the man. Yet guaranteeing the absolute revelation of God. In fact, Peter goes on to share in chapter 3 and 15 and 16 of his second epistle that the epistles and the writings of Paul were equally called scriptures and they were equally inspired as the Old Testament. And they were already recognized as scriptures. And he puts the Old Testament and the New Testament side by side. Remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? All scriptures given by inspiration of God. And it's powerful for doctrine, correction, instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished into every good work. Theopanustos, God breathed, expired literally. All, Old and New Testament. The origin is God. The vessel may be man, but the origin is God. Now, thirdly, the understanding 
of distinguishing the prophet under inspiration and the man is equally misunderstood. The prophets were infallible and inerrant under the inspiration of God and his spirit, making the scriptures God's divine revelation to man. The Old Testament has many introductory formulas, such as, Thus saith the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me, the spirit of the Lord came upon me, the Lord said, write. Equally in the New Testament, you have same kind of formulas, introductory, that say, it is written, the scripture says, he says also in Hosea, Isaiah cries out, Moses says, the oracles of God, and these things all preface that it is God as the origin, not an individual. Now, the New Testament writers plainly recognized that the books were written by human authors, but even more explicitly, they maintain that God spoke through these men and the writings were the revelation of God. You see it throughout the book of Acts, Acts 4.25, 25, Romans 9.27, and many others. Now, as Jeremiah is prophesying, there are other contemporary prophets speaking at the time of Jeremiah. You have Sephaniah who was issuing the 11th hour call to the nation, condemning idolatry and, and, and the early part of Jeremiah's ministry. So you might read Zephaniah. It's not that big. You can read that. Uh, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Who? Habakkuk. Get used to him. You're going to spend eternity with him, okay? When he asks you if you read his book, don't ask him who published it. It's in the Bible. Habakkuk's looking at what's going on. And God says, Habakkuk, I'm going to do a strange thing that has never been done before. If I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Hey, Lord, I'm your prophet. Tell me. And he's okay, I'm going to get the Babylonians and I'm going to wipe you guys out. Lord, I can't believe that. I told you you wouldn't believe it. God does take more wicked people to wipe out those who he has given privilege to when they neglect that privilege. Remember that. And you know what? If that's the case, we haven't paid heed. Woe to us. Remember Nineveh. Remember Israel. Huldah was inquired by Helkiah the priest and Others, at Josiah's command, when they found the Pentateuch, the book of the law that had been lost in 2 Kings 22.14 and Chronicles 34.14, Jeremiah will speak about that. And they asked her to inquire of God. And he rented his clothes and, and calls for repentance and made that reform. But it was superficial with the people's heart. Ezekiel was over in Babylon. He went in the second siege. And he was there prophesying to the people to make homes, to get married, to pray for the peace of Babylon. Because they were there for 70 years. You have Daniel in the Shushan the palace, God's statesman, to direct himself to the king Nebuchadnezzar, who he would reveal the time of the Gentiles, the head of gold, the arms of silver, the belly of brass, the legs of iron, the ten toes of iron and clay, the last kingdom to stand on the earth in the great tribulation. You have the time of the Gentiles from Nebuchadnezzar, to the Antichrist. Interesting what God was doing. Jeremiah calling people to repentance. People saying, he's not a prophet. Ezekiel in Babylon saying, kick back, be here for a while. False prophets saying, no, 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 we're out of here in a few months. Daniel's in the state capital. And he's there making known what God's going to do to the Gentile king. Amazing or what? Do you think God's doing kind of the same thing? I know he is. We're just ignorant about it. But God's at work. Pastor Xavier Reese, beginning our series of Jeremiah, 
by illustrating God's ever-reaching hand of grace for a repentant people. Today's Simple Truth study is titled, Jeremiah the Prophet, and copies are available on CD for just $4. Having your own copy is a handy way to study Scripture more in depth and at your own pace, but also a convenient way to pass on to someone else you might know. Now, again, that title, Jeremiah the Prophet. Request yours today by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And once again, for those wishing to respond with an email for Pastor Xavier, you can address that to simpletruths at ccpas.com. We'd love to hear from you today. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station, however you get in touch. This is helpful information as we monitor the impact of our radio ministry. Man's search for ultimate truth sure seems to be an endless one, despite the simple truths of the scripture God has provided right at our fingertips. Pastor Xavier Reese continues our series seeking out the prophecies of Jeremiah right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 